This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Locked, cocked, and loaded. Welcome to this an Ask Brothers Monthly. The the first of many of the uh, the end of month reviews, the 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 player of the months, the shit asses of the months. Uh, all the boys are in. We're going to go through everything that's happened in this in this first month of of football. Um, it's the first time we've all been in the room. But Scunny's been doing his show. Ryan's been doing his show. Manny's busted out a hot topic. Ryan did a a, a, a cup show. Scunny's been doing the preview shows. Me and Toby have been doing the Ask Bros OG. So it's the first time that all five of us have been in a room. And um, all in all, you know, it's it's been a month of mixed football for us, I guess, in the sense that we had one game where we were very dominant against a cannon, a cannon fodder team, a, a game where we played parts of it quite well, and then there was some worrying stuff against West Ham, uh, and then the, the game against Liverpool, which was really kind of what we deserved. Uh, as always, um, you know, joined by Scunny Mike, at Mike Scunny, joined by Ryan, uh, at Aspros Ryan, joined by Toby, who is not on Twitter, even though he does have a Twitter handle and likes to go by the name of Bandit these days, and uh, joined by Manny, who's on mute. He could be eating. He could be rolling a joint. We don't know what he's doing. Manny's a ghost. Um, first month of football, Scunny, you're in the top left of the screen. Let's uh, let's throw it to you. First month of football, three games in the Premier League, uh, two wins and a loss. It's good. Yeah, it's a good start. It's what we expected. Yeah, I, I didn't expect anything less. To be fair, I thought maybe we should, well we should have we should beat Fulham and we should have beaten West Ham. So yeah, I, I didn't think we would win against Liverpool uh, just because it's Liverpool. So yeah, it's what I expected, and I can't say no more. You know, uh, false negatives, Ryan. Like, do you think that there have been some false negatives this season, and 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 what we've seen against Liverpool, I guess, nullifies what we saw against Fulham and the good parts of what we saw against West Ham, or is it very much of the muchness? It's 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 the way it should be. Uh, well, first, I want to do a shout out to Toby for his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday or two days. I don't know. Fucking Aussies are on weird fucking times. So I don't know if it was two days ago, five days ago, but uh, happy birthday, Toby. And, uh, yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. Thank you, mate. And uh, shout out to Stan. Stan, who didn't go to bed. We were talking at the same old Arsenal podcast like three in the morning, and he said he would stay up, and he proved me uh, wrong. Uh, but yeah, so my whole thing is people have been getting on us and how we play and and are different i guess you, like you said the mix of results to me i think we're just we're just trying to build our identity trying to show teams what we could do under arteta and 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 progress and we're not going to play every team the same way where we are going to play every team the same way but we're not going to get the same results we're not going to batter teams we're not going to oh west ham you're bad fulham you're bad so we're going to batter them five nothing that's, that's not how it's going to happen. Um, it's it's, it's going to be slow. It, it it might be a little painful to watch, but I I do I do think that the progress is there, and I do think in all three games we played well. We've established some kind of identity, and uh, we're just slowly building on that. Now I think to help help further our cause is just bringing in the right players and getting rid of the right players. 
Max, so, before you move on, mate, I'm just sorry. You put up a thing, Sam Greenwood, is it? Bed is for yeah. puppies anyway. I'm sorry, but when you first put that up, I thought that was Wee Man from Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair, you know. <laughs> That's why I looked twice. I probably if anyone saw me, I was like, what the? I thought I honestly thought it was Wee Man from Jackass. There, so apologize, Sam. <laughs> there you go, Scanny. Alienating yet another listener from the Ars Bros. But, you know, who said being Wee Man's a bad thing? Yeah. Isn't, isn't, <laughs> we, isn't Wee Man brown bread now? No, no, no Wee Man's uh, not fake dead. News, mate. Yeah, I think that was fake news. I have never heard oh, that brown okay. bread. Well, then again, if you're playing Ars Brothers uh, bingo, then there's your first one. <laughs> alienating, <laughs> alienating again. So go for guys listening. So there's Aspro's bingo. So you know, on your page, you should have you know, alienate a listener, alienate the fan base, uh, say a slightly racist comment, uh, have Ryan make a, have Ryan make a, a, a comment about another man's penis. Uh, that's one. Um, have Manny call Ryan a homosexual for making a comment <laughs> about a man's penis. That's another. Um, so play along. Aspro's bingo. Uh, all stories of me shitting myself. Also, Aspro's bingo. Nearly happened today, Toby. Funny story, Toby. So, for those of you who are in Australia, aren't in Australia, right? There's two burger chains in Australia that like the, the primary non-craft burger chains, right? You've got McDonald's and you've got Hungry Jack's. Now, Hungry Jack's is the uh, uh, Australian version. Obviously, McDonald's is the American version. So, McDonald's are currently suing Hungry Jack's is Burger King, Max. It's no, it's renamed. not. It's Is renamed. It? They were well, just. Fuck. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I thought it was an Australian company. They're saying they're an Australian company online. So what does that fucking say? Anyway, <laughs> so uh, McDonald's are currently suing Hungry Jacks because Hungry Jacks have put out a burger called the Big Jack, and it is the Big Mac but they've called it the Big Jack, and they're getting sued. And I know why. I don't need a lot of shit food or junk food, but I'm driving delivery at the moment because fucking COVID's gay. And I'm driving past this fucking um, Hungry Jack's. And the thing is, when you're driving delivery, right, you're on the road for six hours. There's nowhere to piss and nowhere to shit. Like, it's it's fucking terrible, right? You've really got to plan things and time things and know your places where you can, where you can go. So anyway, I don't know what came over me, but I did this like wheelie across two lanes because I saw a Hungry Jack's drive through and got not one Big Jack, but two Big Jack's. Ate both of them and then spent the next four hours on the road desperately trying not to shit my pants. Uh, it went <laughs> fucking straight through me like, like fucking poison lava. And when I got home, I literally was like, hi, honey, run. And there it is. There's excellent. Aspro's bingo right there for you. <laughs> Aspro's bingo. Uh, Toby, before we got on sidetracked and all Ask Brothers Monthly, um, what I was going to say to you was, um, have the games in total for you been uh, either cause for concern or hope towards the future? Well, I, I think it's hope towards the future, you know. So a couple of things. I think we got to wait, you know, the, the bullshit of having a transfer window that takes, you know, three, four, five rounds to, to get done means you – you sort of don't know. Everything's upheaval. Certain players are being ostracised. They're not being used in the squad because you're trying to show them the door, you know. So we have to let that settle down. We haven't done a huge amount of business. You know, we might not be able to do a huge amount of business, but at least we'll know so we can move forward. Um, 
I don't think there's any cause for concerns. I mean, personally, and I said this in the in the pod yesterday, in the weekly pod, that I think we have one of the best managers about, in particular the best young manager about. So we should be pretty pretty buoyant and pretty happy and hopeful for the future about that. We haven't had a, a real tactical manager um you know, for a long time. I mean, obviously, we we didn't even have a change in manager for a long time. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful. We've had one game against Cannon Fodder, as you said, who looked like their ass clowns going to head straight back to the Champo. And we've got West Ham, which were... <laughs> the Champo? <laughs> which were um, set up very well and, and bothered us. And then we did what we needed to do against a rampant Liverpool at Anfield with one of the best squads in the world. So... And we could have nicked a point. We were one mm. goal up. You know, everything in terms of the way we manage that game, and I think that's what we do better these days, we actually manage 90 minutes rather than just hope for the best, was, you know, we went one goal up. We couldn't keep the lead. We kept the defence. We had a chance of drawing the game, which would have, we, we just lost it at the end. You know, so we went through three phases of the match. No reason to shit the bed after um, one month of football. Definitely, very, very true. Manny Riz, are you in the room or are you a ghost of a ghost of an avatar? Are you there, Manny? I'm here, bro. I'm here. What's going on? What's going on, mate? How are you? Oh my god, busy man. It's been it's, it's been a busy month for your boy, man. But I'm alive, bro. I'm, I'm here. Uh, first month of football, Manny. Um, how do you think that we've tracked? I'm just kind of doing a round table. How do you think that we've tracked as far as the people that we brought into the club? So without getting into specifics, do you think that what we have done so far has greatly improved us? Or do you think that what we've done is really we haven't seen enough of it yet to work out whether or not it's going to extend us in any in any great way? I think it's too early to even come to that assumption yet. Mm. Um, I think Gabriel is still, you know, acclimatising to it, um, even though he had two very good games for two different, you know, reasons. Uh, Willian is still... We're still trying to find, you know, a system that will suit what Willian can bring to the team. So, so far, you know, it's a work in progress. You know, it's, it's too early to go, yeah, this is working and that's not working because we haven't even got to halfway through the season yet. So... Come back to me when we're midway through the season with that one, bro. Definitely. Tough to look. Look, these early monthlies and these early points, I, I always find they're quite strange kind of reviews because it's almost, especially with coming out of last season's COVID season, it almost feels again like there's a little bit of preseason in the early parts of the game and we're not going to see the best out of teams. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Liverpool were so scary. For me, because they genuinely looked like they were already at full throttle three games into the season and really running through us. And our points, guys, have kind of reflected some, I, I guess, some trends. And the interesting thing is, is, I think that for a lot of the guys who are in our points, we can argue games for and games against. So for those of you joining us on Ask Bros Monthly for the first time, what the guys do is they apply three points to their man of the match two points to their second best player, one point to the third best player. And then how we differ on ass bros is we apply shit ass points. So three points to the shittest ass, uh, two points to the second most shit ass, and uh, one point to the third most shit ass. 
And essentially what it gives us is as we do this, we get players of the month and shit ask of the month. And then we get to the end of the year and we do a big show. And it's uh, it, it usually involves me last year drinking about a gallon of fucking rum and slurring for the last 45 minutes, incoherently talking about dildos and shelving. Um, and yourself. And shitting myself. Um, but what we end up with is we end up with five guys who have all put their points in together at different times. Five guys, we don't confer on the points either. So we all put our points in before we've seen each other's points. We don't chat in a group generally during the game so much. Um, and it means that we end up getting these quite interesting statistics. Um so, guys, straight into it, um, and we're going to start with top of the pops. And I think it's 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 a really interesting start to the season um, for this particular player because, for me, we've now seen one absolute man of the match performance, one performance where he fell in and out of the game a little bit, and one performance where we've maybe, maybe seen the downfalls in bringing in someone of his age. Our player of the month coming in with 20 points positive, uh, five points negative for an overall score of plus three is Willian. Uh, and Toby, I want to go to you first. Inside the panel of people, there were very mixed feelings when we signed Willian. Some of us were pro, some of us were negative, some of us were let's see how it happens. Uh, a, a fantastic man of the match performance against Fulham a slightly uh, in-and-out game against West Ham and quite a worrying leggy game against Liverpool. Um, what are you seeing for Willian in the team? How, how are you feeling about that signing? How are you feeling about him being the player of the month for the month of September? Well, I think the reason he got the player of the month because he was clearly the man of the match in the first game against Liverpool, I mean, against Fulham. He was in Three points everything. from everyone, yeah. So the fact that he almost didn't show up for the next two games is is a concern for me. He got negative three for me this week. I thought he was um, he was barely even there. And against West Ham, he was pretty ineffectual as well. Um, look, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to err on the slightly concerned side of things because I think motivationally when a player comes in, they often play their best very early on. I mean, even Bug Eyes played well you know, his first game or two and, and showed a bit of um, desire to run. So, look, I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet. Um, and I thought his ability and shape and able to move into the centre, his hard work, all of the things we've discussed, logically would have him starting over Pepe at the moment. But very quickly, we've seen you know, a little bit of a downturn in form. So a little bit on the fence with this answer, but I, I think I'm going to say that um, the inconsistencies in the first first month is slightly concerning. Manny Riz, as a man who was quoted as saying, fuck this, I don't want these old rejects from Chelsea, bruv. Uh, how do you feel after having watched the first three games of Willian? You were with all of us uh, with his man of the match performance. I think we all gave him three points positive, which does make up a large amount of his points. He did pick up some positive points in the second game as well from a couple of us. Um, but as a man who was very anti-Willian, where are you landing at the end of the month with him? What are your feelings towards him now? I'm going to start with Toby on this one, bro, because it's, it's, you know, it's not even just the... Uh 
you know, the Liverpool game, he was poor. Against Leicester, you know, he came on and he was completely anonymous. Hmm. So, for me, I I didn't want him at the club anyway, you know, for the simple fact that, you know, it, it's age, it's the fact that, you know, he's, he's past his peak and the only way is down, you know, for William. Um, the Fulham performance gave us a glimpse of what he can do, but it's not something that you want in the starting lineup on a consistent basis because, as we saw, he started three games and you've gotten three different performances from him. And that level of inconsistency, considering where we're at, is not what you want to see, you know, from any player coming into the club at the minute. So I told you not to be cautious. I will still err the side of caution until I see a bit more consistency. But really, I want to see William becoming a bit part player and not the go-to guy, because you can't mm. rely on him. Mm. Scully, stand the man. Uh, has just put up a comment saying at some point, Willian's salary is going to become a talking point. He's not going to go through the next three seasons showing value for the money on 200 bags a week. That's a lot of bags of cocaine for Willian. I'm not sure his, not sure his heart will stand up to 200 bags a week. Um, oh, Arsenal bingo. Max talking <laughs> about drugs. Amazing. Well, it was meth like me- like last space. week. That might as well be the free space in the middle at that point. Uh, Scotty, do you agree with Stan that it's going to become a talking point by hook or by crook, whether it's this year, next year, or the year after on 200 bags a week, uh, it's going to end up becoming an issue. And uh, I'll add to that, that the Pepe issue as well with the 72 million that's been invested in there, that that's going to become an issue in the, in the Willian conversation as well. Yeah. Uh, we all know how, Arsenal fans can be. Um, we've mentioned it before on separate podcasts about how fickle and retarded some of our family fan base can be. Arsenal so, bingo. <clears throat> Arsenal bingo, there you go. <laughs> Thought I'd get another one in there. But yeah, it's, it's going to become a talking point at some point, uh, 100%, because this is the way it works now. Um, for they're probably going to be for the wrong reasons more than the right. Um, I'm, I'm with Manny and Toby on this one. You know, it's I personally didn't want him. I, I said when he first was getting mentioned to come to Arsenal, I did say Arsenal turning into the old people's home. Uh, you know, after his first performance, I was a bit like, oh, okay, you know, fair enough. This is this is going to be good. Um, you know, it, it might I, I might. You know, I stuck my foot in my mouth on this one. He might actually turn out to be good. And then after the West Ham, the bit part he played against Leicester and then Liverpool, I thought, mm, yeah, maybe he's going to be a bit too much. But it's not just Willian who's going to get this talking point. Similar to what you just said, Pepe's going to get that. He's already getting that talking mm. point about the 72 million. Well, look, there's definitely going to be conversation about it because mm-hmm. you, you to invest in kids and then to go and buy... I guess, quotation marks, established players, there's always going to be an argument for where is the value in bringing in someone who is older if he's not there to teach Pepe. And I'll put that to you, Ryan. The People are really kind of questioning the idea of why the signing, why Willian, why the money when we have these guys coming through and we have Martinelli's and Sackers and Nelson's and it seems to be this this constant conversation, the conversation always comes back to Pepe. Do you now think, having watched it, that Pepe's been bought for footballing reasons or Pepe's been bought for, I guess, 
mentoring reasons, perhaps teaching reasons to show. You to, mean Willian? Sorry, Willian being bought for mentoring reasons, teaching reasons for Pepe to maybe show him what a, a professional does and what a professional output is. So I'm going to preface this by saying I think Pepe should have started against Liverpool. Um, but with that being said, I, I kind of disagree with you guys a little bit. Um, I don't like the will. I didn't like the William signing if it was our only signing. I think it's more of a a kind of a signing. You know, you, t- you tie the ball on the present for it's not a signing you you, you kind of establish yourself with uh, during the transfer window. Um, he was he was Chelsea's. He was Chelsea's best player. I mean, you can maybe say Pulisic was better, but I, I think Willian as a whole was more consistent than he was. So, and you know, people say, "Oh, he's not." You know, Manny actually said it. Oh, he's he's not he's not getting any better. He's only only going down from here. I think we all said that about a certain someone. You know, Aubameyang. How, oh, he can only get worse. He's going down. He's thirty. He's not getting better. Well, he's he's proving us wrong. Why can't William prove us wrong? Uh, stop right there, Ryan. When the hell did we say any of that? Uh, we're talking about his contract and how he's getting older and how he's going down. Uh, I'm, not, is. I'm not saying everybody has said that, but we have all talked about how he could be getting worse. His goal, his goals might be going down. Have, that's been a that's been a topic across all podcasts, all platforms, everyone. Well, it, it, it's a it's a right sort of conversation to have, considering that you know you're. I'm not, no, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying Aubameyang's not hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. Why should we assume Williams going to slow down? I mean, again, two different positions, two different players. I get there's, that. There's three three years difference, right? Yeah. I, I listen. I'm not. I'm not. A, I wasn't a huge fan of Williams before, and I'm still. I'm warming up to him now. I think he's just a better Reese Nelson for now, and I think he offers. I'm not. I'm not willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater with Willian off the back of a Liverpool game. I no, think- I'm not. I just again, I, I, I think Pepe suited the game better than he did. I so let's look at the, let's Pepe. look at this from let's look at this from a positive perspective from what I've seen of Willian and what Willian does for the team. So one of the things we really struggle with with this particular system with this need to play five at the back. And I'm going to preface this with saying that that five in the back has to stay until we have the midfielders to play a three in the midfield, which we don't have at the moment. I don't care how many conversations we All the defenders have, have to have about it. I would even argue that we're starting to right the ship with the defenders, with the types of defenders. Holding's been quite good to start the season. David Luiz finished the season quite well, even started the season quite well this season. But can only Gabby's play in the back three. Yeah, but uh, okay, and Gabby's been impressive as well. So if I'm looking at the things that William does within this system that particularly Pepe doesn't do within this system, is Willian helps us to control the midfield by pulling into central areas more. So Willian is able to get on the ball. You've seen when he played against Fulham and you saw especially against West Ham, he had a tendency to pull into the midfield to help us to control the midfield without the ball, making it a midfield three without the ball, which meant that we didn't get overrun as much. I would say that both times Willian has come off the pitch. In in fact, I'd say all three times Willian has come off the pitch the game has opened up and we have lost the midfield battle. So when Willian gets pulled out of that and we put Pepe in, Pepe runs the channel. He doesn't pull into central midfield. He doesn't track. So for me, Willian has been a purchase in in solidity. And it's going to be, yeah, and it's going to be about making sure that we use him in the right games. I wouldn't have played Pepe against Liverpool despite us playing a counter-attacking team. Because playing those guys, I always would have thought that we were going to lose the midfield battle and that William was better at, at, at winning the midfield battle. 
hindsight's a wonderful thing. Toby? Yeah, I, I agree with you logically because Willian is better defensive player. But what I think in terms of thinking outside the box, one of the main... Shut the fuck up, Max. One of the <laughs> main things... A fucking beer, bro. Put it on mute, you fucking inconsiderate cunt. All right, that's another Ars Bros bingo. <laughs> Toby and Max start bitching at each other. Now, do you remember what I was talking about, the release valve? Because in this back three and the wing backs playing high up the pitch, a lot of the time the out ball, the only way we can go playing across the back is out to the advanced players on the, in the, on the wings. Okay. Now, what Abamian can't do very well is hold up the ball with that technicality. He wants to more run into that space. So just like AMN is the one technically adept to transition the, the press or navigate the press and cycle the ball. Willian actually didn't do a very good job of that. He's better when he's running at the at the defense. So I think where Pepe could have actually improved us and actually got that release valve type of player and got us progressing up the pitch better as he links up with the more central players and the players around him. So absolutely logically, Willian is there better because he plays in a structure and defends better, but sometimes you've got to keep the ball. And I think Pepe would have done that better for us. Mm. Look, pluses, minuses, very, very early in the season. Like I said at the start of this, a, a man of the match performance from him to start with. That's what he can offer. Someone said in the chat, fucking lost it, but someone said in the chat somewhere, they hope that Arteta is smart enough to realise he can't play back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. And maybe you've seen already, you know, with a, a player who's a little bit getting a little bit on, maybe you're already seeing that if he starts playing 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, we're going to see his level drop. And I think when you are bringing in senior players, you are bringing in players who are winding down their careers. If you're going to get three years out of him, you have to pick and choose when to put him in and not just put him in all the time. Um as Sam Greenwood said, Arteta hopefully knows that William can't play back-to-back games. I always thought he would help in Pepe's progression. I hope so. I hope so too. Um, so anyway, dudes, uh, on to the next one. So three points to Willian, man of the month. I'm, I'm fine with it. I think he had enough of an effect when he first came on that he gets that. And it brings me to our second one that flows into what Toby was saying, actually, where he said that we, we still maybe need to bring in defenders who are going to make us able to play in a two. Well, very, very good start to his Arsenal career. 13 points positive from only two games. So two games, not three games. Didn't play in the third game against Liverpool. Um, Gabby, brand new signing. Ryan, um, I've, I've got to admit that when this signing was getting done, I didn't know a huge amount about him. I certainly didn't realise that he was a fucking giant. I certainly didn't realise that he was the size that he was until I saw him debut for us but two points positive second best player of the month you're happy with that are you happy with him are you happy with what you've seen from him so far um yeah uh i was a little curious why he didn't play uh, against Liverpool. um he's played two very good games uh i thought us rushing back tierney was a big question mark against you know the defending champions at anfield i don't really I know uh, we talked we talked last night on Team World Arsenal talking about how 
you know, what we were holding shouldn't have played, you know, kind of playing, you know, operation with the, with the back three a little bit and uh, adding Gabby. And I thought I was the only one that said, I don't think Tierney should have played. I think him coming back from a good injury and we know previously him coming back from injuries and him just getting, you know, getting acquainted with the Premier League. He's a, he's a slow starter. He doesn't get into he doesn't get into games right away. Um, and as you saw, you know, a minute and thirty in, you know, my elbows him in the face. I mean, that that's another conversation. But he got bullied. He got, uh, Tony got bullied. So uh, I think Gabby should have played there. And I and I think Gabby offers something that we've been lacking, and that's just you know like a, like a bully mentality, a, a big a big fuck you defender. That's you know. Gonna gonna give you uh, gonna draw some blood if you if you try to get past him. So I'm excited to what he can do defensively and you know offensively as well because you know his first game for us he uh, he had a nice header. So definitely excited for him going forward. Scunny, are you from watching the the, the first two games of of Gabriel? Uh, are you thinking that he is going to be in some ways an answer to our need to play? four at the back, that he's going to somehow change our, our ability. Who the fuck is rubbing their microphone? Toby? The same damn thing in the chat. What the hell was going on? It's really annoying. It's really annoying. Toby, stop rubbing your beard. <laughs> no, he's I on was mute. on mute. Yeah, fuck off. Some who, who is that? Some shit's fucking going on. I don't know what. Mike, having watched this with, with the most professional podcast on the on the pod world. Uh, Scunny, having watched Gabriel's first two games, does he fill you with any confidence that he can be the guy to move us into a back four to get us stop playing that back three? Give the kid some time. Christ. I hate this thing like everyone's putting this amount of pressure on him. You know, Saka had it when he first join into the team you know he had, he had a really good game don't get me wrong and Saka's coming on leaps and bounds but give the kids some time you know it's he had a really good game against Fulham don't get me wrong it was it was really good it was nice to see but it was his first game in something like six months or something or three three to six months so yeah that was a really good game of his but for me yes he probably looks like the answer the guy is a beast He's a lot taller and a lot bulkier than what I thought. You know, I've, I'm the same as you, Max. I've never even seen him before. Mm. So, yeah, it does look like, you know, it looks like something that's going to be developed into something really, really good. I just, you, you know, but I just think you just need some time, like a lot of players that we've had before. They seem to get that undue pressure, and it just seems to drift off a bit sometimes. But, yeah, let's just be patient, give the kids some time. Uh, the West Ham game for me, I didn't think it was a great game from him. Uh, he did well in some respects. He also didn't really, well, in my opinion, he didn't do well in others. You know, there was some times where I thought, oh, it could have been, you know, it could have been better there. But he's adjusting. But this is why I won't dig him out because he's adjusting. It's his second game in the Premier League. I'm not going to dig a guy out who's who's on his second game at all. You know, and I don't, I don't think anybody should. Well, I mean, look, I, I, we haven't dug him out, I guess, because no. we've given him we've given him no negative points, positive thirteen points. He's the second mm. best performing player. Again, again, I'm not right going to give I'm not going to give a kid who's on. You know, what I mean, I'm not going to give a kid negative points on his second game in the Premier League. That it's just not right. You know, the I, guy. I, I gave him a plus three. He got my man in the match against Fulham. So, uh, well, well, yeah, well, that's fair enough. You know, he, he did absolutely me. amazing against Fulham. He shot. I think he shocked everyone. How Look, we, we, we've, we've talked for a long time about needing to have this big 
dominant physical, like a return to a, a Sol Campbell style defender. A, you know, someone who's just going to go in and bash and smash and, and barge us to victory. And um, you know, and there's no doubt in Gabriel from what we have seen. And like like Mike said, gentle, gentle steps, Arsenal fans. We we always urge caution and and just just feathering the brakes a little bit when talking about new players and and player performances. Um, but Manny, you and I have many conversations about yard food and black people with massive asses and using those massive physical asses to barge their way and have their athleticism. There is no doubt. Bingo, straight again. There is no doubt that Gabrielle has a big ass and is a big athletic beast of a human. What does that okay. do anything? Well, what's the what's the question, Max? <laughs> the, question, the question is, Manny, it's been so long since we had these types of physical shapes in the Arsenal team. Your Ainsley Maitland-Niles with his big hips, you know, you, your big barge-ass Gabriel just going and battering fucking centre-forwards. You know, this is a nice thing for Arsenal now, is it not? From what we've seen to have someone who's big, tall, over six foot two, not a Mustafi, not a Kalasinac, not a David Louise, not a Mari. Not um, a fucking Vermalen. Not yeah, a Pichelny. It's a massive change. It is a return in body shape to us that we haven't seen for a really long time. And when you know he was down. Six foot four. Yeah, but I'm talking about body shape. He's a, he's a big six four lean kind of player. Not He's more of like a big tall Mertesacker, rangier player. I'm talking about guys who are going to bash and batter people. Man, it's been a long time since we had these physical attributes. Do you agree that we did look much more physical, much more robust with him on the pitch when he played in those opening two games? Sure, because it's his his willingness to to go into those challenges and to not you know shy away from them. You know his willingness to chase uh, Antonio and and have fifty fifties with him. His willingness to make Fulham have to go around him. You know, as opposed to you know running back towards the, towards his goal. It's almost reminiscent of what Van Dyke does. It's a, it's a case of you are not going to go through me. I dare you sort of attitude and it's you know he's going to get his head to everything you know he's going to make mistakes but it's so good to see a defender who is willing to get in there who is quick enough to you know read the situation to read the danger to put in a tackle to get his head in areas that you don't want to you don't want to usually put your head like Scunny, I will err in the side of caution his distribution is not as rangy as as a David Luiz, hence why probably he didn't start against um, against Liverpool because his his passing is not even as rangy as Tierney, you know, in that in that role. And if the goal was to get you know a Bamiang in behind, then you'd play a Tierney who's done that you know consistently. But and again, just it's a totally different game against Liverpool, so I understand why Gabriel didn't start. However. Good start from the kid. Give him time because he's going to make mistakes. And when he does, bro, hopefully, hopefully with us, we've got a massive player on our hands, man. I think just before we go on, I think as well, <laughs> he's inexperienced as well in the Premier League. You're going up against Liverpool. You, you know, it's you don't want to put the kid in some kind of an embarrassment sort of situation against someone like Salah. You know, it's yeah. it all comes down to experience. And to put to put a young lad who's coming through, who's making moves 
and slinging him up against Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold, it's not a good move to take. His confidence would have been knocked shot all over the place. And it was it wouldn't have been fair to him to do something like that. Mm. Uh, Toby, a lot of people have been interested and excited by Gabriel's distribution. Is is that something that you saw in his first couple of games that you were really excited by? I didn't see it to a level like to a David Louise level where I was like, wow, the guy's a serious pass master. But I felt that he was comfortable on the ball. Were you the same? I noticed it in the Fulham game. It was something I was surprised about, how good his distribution was. And other players struggled in that game from from memory. So I thought it was quite good. But um, like Manny and Scunny were saying, you know, Liverpool's a different beast. We're not going to have the ball a lot and you need that ball over the top to play on the counter. So I, I understand why he was pulled out of the fire. Um, a point that I was thinking about before for the sake of balance and I think why Pablo Marie was signed was to have a natural left footer on the left side of that back three. You know, also why Tierney Tierney plays there, but, you know, he doesn't always have the physical ability to, um, you know, to out-muscle players who are going to run past him. So I I think that's just food for thought in terms of why Marie was signed when some of us felt like perhaps we didn't need him. Mm, mm. Interesting. Um, So... Moving on to our one point, our combined one point, so our third best player. And continuing on from last season uh, where we were all really surprised when it came to the end of season podcast and this guy ended up being in all of our top threes, he continues his kind of silent assassin approach to being to, to collecting points regularly, often without collecting man of the matches, coming in with our one point with plus 10 minus zero for a score of positive 10, including games off the bench, which is very hard to collect positive points from the bench, is Danny Ceballos. Uh, Scunny Mike, um, again, the silent assassin attacks and Ceballos comes on against Liverpool. Uh, Granted, the game had opened up at that point drastically, um, but had a really good game there. Had another really good game was against West Ham. He was really good as well, really picked them apart. Um, a lot of people, Scunny, say that Auer is an upgrade on Ceballos more than anything else. Um, do you think that Ceballos is, is at this point for Arsenal playing for, I, I guess, his his first team status, playing for us to buy him at the end of this? Or do you think he's maybe more versatile than what, than what a lot of people think he is. I don't know. I'm I'm a bit unsure. I don't know much about uh, Awar. So again, I don't know. Like I said, I've never seen him play, so I don't know too much about him. But as we go on to Sabios, you know, he was good after uh, into after project after the in the uh, end of last season, he was doing really well. And he does. He just seemed to change the game a lot in the last couple of games he's played in against Liverpool, against West Ham. He changes that style of play. He offers that little bit extra. He can hold the ball with his feet a lot better than El Nene in that position and Xhaka. Um, his dis- distribution on passes is a lot better as well. Uh, he does make mistakes though. Uh, he, he has. He gets caught sometimes on the ball. So, but I've noticed his recently he has stepped his game up. He when he came on against Liverpool, 
uh, we saw a difference in play. Like we said, the game was starting to open up a bit more and someone like Ceballos would be perfect for that situation. When a game starts opening up, he, he offers that extra. He offers that to try and push the ball forward, whereas El Nene and Xhaka don't, I don't feel like they do that in our squad at the minute. And as as we go on to the points and stuff, I think it's well-deserved, especially against the Liverpool game. I agree. It's because that's the only one I can really think of from memory. I'm not, I can't really remember the uh, West Ham game too much because I have drank and slept since then. Uh, <laughs> I should have really thought about this, to be honest. But, um, you know, it's midday here. I've had shit to do this morning. But, you know, yeah, how it is. Uh, Toby, Sabios is a better, I guess, is a better defender than what a lot of people give him credit for is in his actual, his his tackling tenacity and his ability to, to win back the ball. Uh, do you think it's a bit of a fallacy that the idea that Arsenal fans have that he is a final third midfielder and that he is, in fact, maybe more of a deep eight, if anything? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair statement. I don't think he's much of a final third player at all. I mean, apart from the West Ham game, obviously, where... Um, you know he was he was complicit in in us winning the match in the end um i wouldn't call him an amazing defender but i really love and appreciate his newfound tenacity so ever since arteta chinned him he responded very positively to that like others can you know fall by the wayside and have a cry and you know all of that type of thing but he took it like a man and he he came back really tough and um, worked on his fitness, his tenacity. The the thing for me that stands out in my head was like the last ditch block against West Ham, right at the. I don't know if people remember that, but mm. he came flying out of nowhere and put his body on the line and and did like a you know kung fu style you know block, which you know, and that was in the you know towards the end of the game after he'd really. Um, taxed himself physically so it's that type of thing it's not hard to get a fan to love you because you you just play the way that we would want to play ourselves if we had that opportunity and popping up like that at that clutch moment in the game you know that's that's what gets the fans on side so I wouldn't say he's a stand-up defender but he's really worked on that tenacity Ryan are you you know to, to coin a phrase are you fully erect for Danny Ceballos, are you at are, are you at maximum? Are you at maximum <laughs> levels of erection for him? Do you see us buying him and being able to build a midfield around him into the future? Is he going to be a top player? Is he going to going to dot the T's and cross the lowercase J's, as it were, for what we need? You're baiting me into a bingo, and <laughs> I won't do it. I, I I won't do it. I won't take it. <laughs> so Danny Ceballos is. That hot, that hot form girl that comes to summer camp that, you know, she doesn't really know what's going on and she doesn't know what sex is or hand jobs and she's a virgin. And you kind of like take her under your wing and you're like, oh, she's pretty good. She doesn't use teeth. She's doing the job. But you know at the end of the day she's going to leave after the summer is over. She's gone. She's not coming back. Is she going to no go? No more hand jobs. No more blowjobs. No teeth. My what the is, fuck are you talking about? So, okay, thank you, Scotty. So my point is, is that... <laughs> fuck is this? Have, I just, have I just gone on to a different show where you're talking about <laughs> the girls at Summer Camp? What the fuck, man? Listen, listen. 
Not Ryan, if, I, if I'm hearing if I'm hearing you, what you're saying is is that this uh, <laughs> you think that Sabios is going to be like some kind of a spring <laughs> fling, and right now it's time. right now it's all hand jobs. But in the summer, he's going to go back. You think he's going to go back to Ray Allen, and we're going to have to live life without him. So shout out to you, Nadia. I miss you. That summer it was amazing. But what I will say Not is, Nadia, he, he means Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey from Estonia. But um, anyways. No. I get my hand jobs. Yes, my hand jobs are the best. <laughs> so no. My I'm going to the bingo. My whole thing. <laughs> Fuck. I did it. <laughs> so no. So my whole thing with Ceballos is um, I think no matter what, at the end of the season, he's not coming back. Whether he shits the bed for us, which I don't see it happening. But if he if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's not coming back. He's going back to Real. And uh, I see him as uh, – I don't want. I I, I want our uh, everybody in the chat to cover their ears a little bit, but uh, I see him as a, a Ramsey type player, but like a lot better. Um, he's and not I like think Ramsey I, at all, Ryan. He uh, doesn't yeah, arrive right final third. Let me talk. Let me talk. Okay, so, so, so Toby said it perfectly in tenacity. He has so much. <coughs> My biggest, I guess, the, I guess this is where I compare him to Ramsey. My biggest problem with Sabios is he's constantly out of position. Um, he kind of leaves Jack on an island. He kind of leaves El Nene on an island. And uh, I, th- I think kind of why, and, and, and uh, me and Stan have talked about this, but I, I really want to see uh, – not Jack. I never want to see Jack. Uh, I want to see Ceballos and El Nene play more together because I think El Nene is a little more solid, a little – can handle it a little more. Jack cannot. He's Lieutenant Dan for a reason. And uh, I, I like Sabias, his ball movement. I like his uh, his ball progression, his dribbling. I, I think he offers us so much as a deep lying midfielder. You know, receiving the ball from deep and being able to navigate it through the channels and just navigate it going forward. Um, but yeah, he does get caught out of position a lot, and which kind of frustrates me. But again, if he wasn't out of position, we wouldn't have got that game winner against West Ham. So, you know, you take what you can get, and that's why uh, I get yelled at a lot for slating Ramsey, but. Yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, well, it's, Maybe- it's a deli- it's a delicate balance, isn't it? Because you can't have twelve players on the pitch, and I'm sure a lot of managers would like that. So you have a trade off by carrying the extra defender and playing a back three. You've got more security, but then your two central midfield are, are tasked primarily at not leaving their space. They're effectively zonal players because they're 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 so important to the defensive structure. So I mean, you're. Look at, I mean, look at what happened when Xhaka came off and Ceballos came on against Liverpool. Yes, we ended up with a much more mobile, much different, much more creative style player. But our shape went to absolute shit almost immediately. I'm not saying that Xhaka had a good game. I'm just saying that I don't think there are the players yet around them to be able to have that that free flowing football unless you're willing to concede goals, like we spoke about, Toby. The game yep. will open up with a player like that, as opposed to positionally disciplined players who are sitting in a in a deep block. And um, essentially, I guess my argument for that is, Sabios isn't a replacement for Xhaka. Sabios is a different player mm. to Xhaka. Uh, yeah. Manny, um, mm. Danny Sabios maybe unsuited to this five at the back. Maybe more suited to a three in midfield, where maybe you've got someone else sitting deeper and doing the really, really hard work and, and then maybe Stabios on the right, maybe someone like Awa on the left? Sabios is the pre-assister, I'm not putting that in quotation marks. 
he's the guy who passes the ball to the sister and you know get things done and keeps things flowing. I like what he did against Liverpool because it was he got into positions that he hasn't really gotten into, you know, after you know post lockdown, and even against West Ham, you know, him be him being in the box was a shock for me. I had to look twice to see who it was because he doesn't really venture now venture that far forward. Um, a lot more dynamic, uh, but he's, he's more suited to play with an extra midfielder in there. You know, even though he can do the, you know, going back into defence and picking up the ball and, you know, being press resistant and, you know, being the guy who releases the ball quicker, he would be far better with somebody who is more able to do that job for him and where he can just pop the ball off and do what he does best. So he's better suited to play in the three, not, not in the two. We need that defensive midfield to play with him. You know, yeah. it, it, it needs so it needs to be that four three three formation with Sabias. Like Manny was just saying, I agree with completely with him. He needs someone in there with him, and we need that defensive midfielder to push him through that and get him to that point. Uh, we've needed it for so very long, and and, and you know, um, we'll 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 go off topic for a second. This is why I stand by the fact that. Uh, I, I sort of had this, not an argument, but a conversation with people on Twitter who were so desperate to bring, bring in Awa. And I'm like, Awa in that game, am I fucking saying that right? Awa? No, it's Awa. That's exactly what I fucking said, man. You don't go, <laughs> don't go all fucking French on me. Le bon oui, no, Manny. Le bon oui, mon frere. A tout le monde. Stop. Just stop. How do I fucking um, say his? How do I say his name then, Manny? Ua. 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 Anyway, if we were to have Ua in there in this game, I don't believe that the addition of him changes the outcome of that game that much. But do no, I think the addition of a Thomas Party does? Yeah, formation. Yes, would I do. Yes, our formation would be different if Ua was there. No, our formation is different if you have a party in there. Oh yeah, him too. Yeah, him too. This, this is and and this is what I mean, Manny. When 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 talking about Sabios, this is kind of what I, I want to cover with you. You know, is he essentially being forced to play in a role that doesn't suit him while we're waiting to bring in players to actually complement him in a different system to the what we're currently playing? Because I I don't know how you can be asked how you can ask Sabios to play in a deep block where you have to keep structure and then still ask him to get out and get in between lines and not leave space behind him, whether playing him with Jacque or Jacca or El Nenny. He's a victim of circumstance, man. You know, he's coming to a team that's, you know, that's not suited to play, you know, the system that will get the best out of him. So he's had to make do with, you know, we he's had to acquire some skills that may not, you know, he may not have before that'll probably make him a better player but really really we should be playing in the midfield three but we've never really played in the midfield three you know since the Emirates era has always been you know four two three one it's never actually been three you know two eights and a six mm. so you know and and even though we're trying to to move in that direction again it's asking the players to do something completely different so he he's not had it easy. He's come at this club at the wrong time, you know. But I believe in the long run he'll be a better player for having played in the, you know, alongside a Xhaka. You know what I mean? 
Final word on Ceballos, Manny. I'm just interested to ask you because Ryan brought it up and I did put it up on Twitter the other day. If Danny Ceballos has a dominant season this season, does yeah. that almost guarantee his return to Real? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you really think Real Madrid will not snap this guy up? This is, this is Spanish Club 101, dude. Like this is this is what they do, you know. They send players out there. Like, let me see what you guys are doing. Let me see if you're good enough to come back here, and then they snatch you back from you. Yeah, if you have a if you have a massive massive season here, you better believe Real Madrid will want him, even if you know the Zidane may not like him, because he, if he has a season, I think he will. Zidane will come and snap him up and make it work. Mm. And I wonder yeah, if that's... I, I dis I disagree. I reckon he's staying. I reckon he yeah. was part. It was. It was part of his return. I don't agree, agree with the band camp fucking tuggy story. I think, <laughs> I think, I think it was. Ryan was clearly making an American Pie reference. He even said no. Nah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, anyway, anyway, anyway. So so. Catch, I love it. So I think he had a desire to return. I, I think the fact that he changed his game connection with the club, Arteta and the fans, and then came back, I'm sure there's some type of agreement with uh, that, that I've already heard, which is a quite reasonable, if he came back for a loan, he would have to be purchased at the end of the season. As far as I was concerned, I thought that was almost a done deal. So I, I'm less convinced he'll go back. Apparently, Zidane doesn't like him. You know, I'd heard that before as well. Um, and I don't know if he's that higher echelon player that's going to go back and improve them necessarily. I think he may end up being very suited to the Premier League, more so than, than suited to Spanish football. I think he's, he's going what he is is he's a high-tempo passer, and I think he really loves that. He seems to play really well when things are coming at him. It's, yep. it's funny because Definitely. it's the opposite of Xhaka. Xhaka wants everyone to be standing off him and in front of him so he's got the time to use his technicality and spread his balls. For me, I find when people sit off Sabai, spread his scanning. <laughs> come on, champion. We're, we're a professional <laughs> podcast here. <laughs> it's I the way find, you say it. It's the way you I say find it. with Sabai's when teams actually sit in deep blocks, and Ceballos seems to not know what the fuck to do and he becomes ineffective. I think yeah, he's yeah. better when he's yeah. pressed and he can actually yeah. move. And that's why we made those correlations with Sandy Carzola. So there you have it, guys. Our three, uh, our, our Player of the Month awards. So Player of the Month, Willie Ann, plus 20 points, minus five points for a score of plus 15. Uh, Gabrielle, in his debut games, plus 13 points, zero minus points for plus 13. And Danny Ceballos. Uh, plus 10 points, minus zero points, four plus 10. Guys, so other people... So, so Bios is not Nadia. Ceballos so is Michelle. Does that mean Mikel is getting the trumpet up his ass? Who the Some... fuck are you talking about? It's American Someone's... Pie. It's American Pie. Come on. Manny, seriously. I know you're not from America. Did you, not, did you not listen to his analogy? Yeah. No, no, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, come oh, on. That's why, mate. That's why. Man, <laughs> guys... I'm Other interesting. Here, all right? Fuck off. Nothing wrong with a trump up your ass. Try it out sometime. I don't know from experience or anything. Yeah, of course not. Look, look <laughs> I've got I've got many stories, including one where I was getting a blowy in a cubicle when I was very young at the races, and this chick shoved her finger up my ass without asking, and she was a lot older. And you know, oh wait, are we talking about Angie? Angie. 
I've told you about Andy before, Manny. She taught she taught me so much about life and about things, and she rammed her finger up my ass. So Is, I mean, look, have you just have you just pulled that like from like a Rod Stewart song or some shit? Like Andy, you just, you just, you just like made it your own story and and made the races and a finger up the butt, you know, to um to go with it. Um, guys, other interesting <laughs> points. Other interesting points for plus points. So people who came out with plus points. So Rob Holding came out with plus points. Uh, obviously missed out on the on the top three. Um, plus eleven, minus six. Bit of a mixed bag for plus five. David Louise finished with plus five. KT finished with plus three. Saka with plus two, and Eddie with plus two. So all of these guys essentially didn't pick up. Uh, Eddie, no negative points. Saka, no negative points. Tierney, no negative points. Louise, no negative points. Essentially came in and did their jobs. And that drives us into our negative points, which is our, our shit asses of the month. So our one point, uh, and this is actually an interesting one point this year because in some ways it's beating an old drum, flogging a dead horse, but in other ways it just shows that the deficiency still exists at some point. Um, and, Scunny, that's Granite Xhaka coming in with minus one for us. Now, I can say with Granite Xhaka, it hasn't been a landslide of negative points for him. Uh, I have found positive points for him in the game. A number of us thought he was very good against, um, particularly against Fulham. He managed to pick up some positive points against West Ham, but he was dire against, uh, dire against, for me, against West Ham in particular, I thought he was terrible, much worse than he was against Liverpool but Dyer again against Liverpool or exposed against Liverpool in a way. He picks up plus seven points, minus 15 points uh, for a score of minus eight. Scunny, without kind of just drilling down on the Xhaka is shit kind of bandwagon for yet another monthly podcast because it seems to be on repeat, are we seeing now that even the Xhaka supporters are maybe starting to realise that if nothing else, this guy is incredibly limited to the types of games he can be effective in? Uh, no, I think the Xhaka supporters are going to always be a Xhaka supporter. I don't think that's going to make a difference in what they say, think or do or with anything with him. Uh, but to go on with Xhaka, I'm not going to drill down his shit or anything like that, but I think it just proves, like you just said, his limited ability. You know, if you look at the likes again, <clears throat> look at the team against um, Fulham and West Ham, he seemed to play a lot better. But when it came up to a bit better opposition, uh, okay, Leicester was, wasn't was really their full strength squad. But if we go against Liverpool, I can't even remember him being in the game against Liverpool. Mm. This is why I gave him minus points on uh, at Liverpool, because I don't even remember him being, being on the pitch. You know, when it comes to me making my three two ones and one two threes, I was like, "Well, well, Jack has got to be there because I don't even remember seeing him." Yeah, look, so, I, I I had more of an umbrance with him in the West Ham game. To be honest, I didn't think he was good in the Liverpool game. In the West Ham game, though, is where I saw him absolutely run past, and that was when, yeah. weirdly enough, we had so much ball and we had so much possession. He was getting higher and higher and higher up the pitch that he started to get turned and he started to get transitioned, and we started to see him exposed for the lack of athleticism he has rather than the lack of footballing ability. Uh, against Liverpool, he was poor. Uh, he's not press-resistant. He's not what I would call stress-resistant. As soon as he is stressed, his mentality goes to get rid of the ball. And, and you saw that a couple of his back passes, a couple of his his hacks out. 
Toby, you like to take a, uh, I, I guess, a moderate approach to Xhaka and not just go after him for no reason. He does find himself in our negative points again. Uh, he has found himself down there regularly over the last couple of years. You know, where are you at with him as a player? And I guess the, the primary question I want to ask you is, if Arsenal were to move to a 4-3-3, can you build a cohesive midfield with Xhaka in it? Well, I, I think you could because he would play the role that would drop deep and he would be someone who could head away the long ball. I don't think people consider his height enough of why every single manager wants to play him there because of that physical ability and, and his size. I think with a four-three-three, he could play, in a sense, what he used to do back end of Wenger and a little bit with Emery as well, whereas he actually drops back and becomes a bit of a pseudo central defender. And then if you have two very energetic number eights flanking either side of him, then I feel that that could, that could work. The way I feel that he struggles, and this is in agreement with what everyone says, is when there's only a two in midfield and the rest of the team aren't doing their job defensively. So let's consider the partnerships that I always talk about. Then if he's exposed, he doesn't have the pace to back that up. But have we have we seen a Torreira work in that position? Because I, uh, I, I, I would argue Ter not. Torreira, Torreira under Emery at least showed that, I mean, when he was playing well under Emery, as when a, he was being played deep as under a bulldog, Emery. As a bulldog. Yeah. No. But, he, but he still, no had, he still manager, had some... No manager has played Torreira deep. We, yeah. we believe he is a deep-lying midfielder, but no manager played him deep. Freddie didn't. Emery didn't. Okay. I saw someone online so, called Torreira a janitor, and I so, thought that was one of the best comments I'd heard yeah, because he's a cleanup yeah. merchant. So let let me let me say that I think the size and zonal ability managers like Xhaka because he won't let them down in terms of leaving his post. So Ryan made a really good point that Sabios improves us moving forward. He beats that press and he progresses the ball and he gets us going better if a team's coming on to us. But like Genduzi before him, they leave Xhaka exposed. Elneny did the square root of fuck all in this game. Like people bag Xhaka, but Xhaka's role is to stay and not break the formation. All right. Whereas uh, Elneny's role was to move that ball quickly and progress it. So he did amazingly well in the charity shield when everyone was coming on to us, but he was, he was very passive and always took the easy option going back to our defense and completely nullified any ball progression that we had. So in summary, I am not saying Jack is the most fantastic player in the world, but we are a poor team defensively. We are not great at pressing in the front three. We carry players like Aubameyang, who doesn't do it, Lacazette, who's a bit too slow, Pepe, who's not great either. All right. And we make up for deficiencies by being defensively solid and not breaking our defensive formation. And for me, that's why Xhaka plays week in, week out. Mm. But to can I just do a thing, a thing on that to go against you on that one, Toby? Mm. Uh, when you say Xhaka is more of a defensive, he would be better in that defensive midfielder role. 
His defensive play isn't that great either. You know, he's very slow to go backwards, you know, unless he's passing backwards. Mm -hmm. he, he, you know, we saw in the West Ham game, um, he was so slow to get back on the line or to try and help out Kolasniak, you know, for the goal against us. Um, yeah, you know, well, he, 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 he hasn't really off. got that game yeah. for yeah. him either. Yeah, so he, back, he backed worrying. off. Yeah, he backed off with that. But my question when I flipped that, if you've got a player who rushes forward, then that player is easier to bypass. And my so, argument to that was so he, should, he should have come out and fucking found it's, him. It's if he the had same, the athleticism, he would have got touch tied to him and, and found him before he gets that deep and into the danger zone. The way I saw it was that he backed off too much, correct? But so was Kalasanach beside him. And if you rush up, it's like in rugby, it's draw and pass, all right? So you can bypass the player if they rush up too quickly. For me, you know, any time playing footballer as a kid, you would have to be technically so much better if the defenders you played against were patient. Whereas if they, if they rushed at you, it was easy to dribble past them. You could do it without thinking. Football is much easier when defenders rush at you. Manny Riz, uh, your say on Granite Xhaka. Look, I know that you're not a fan, but you're also an intelligent, uh, you know, analyzer of football games. Uh, you equally agreed that he had quite a good showing in the first game against Fulham, granted their cannon mm. fodder. Um, can you see a way? How do I put this? I don't think I don't think that we're going to get. Oh fuck, cunts! Don't open beers in the fucking. Microphone. I did it just because you were talking. So fuck you. Manny, I good, think it's good, very Ryan. And he didn't flick his fucking bar wank around, smash the bottle open, and then burp into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Manny, I think it's very unlikely that Pate is going to come in with Ua, um, which means that I, I think that building a midfield with Shaka is something that we is going to be unavoidable. Um, can you see any way around this uh, um, as, as someone with an objective mindset? Can you see a way where we can get the best out of the things that Xhaka does well, which there are some things, and still be able to nullify the things that he doesn't? Uh, we've already seen what he does well and even what he does well, his deficiencies you know, are there for everyone to see. So what he does well is not something that, you know, a lot of people can't do, you know. It, it's not something that you can't find in the world of football. The problem I have with, with Xhaka, all, the only thing that he has to offer is the things that he does well. You, when you look at the things that he doesn't do well, you would be looking for at least be good at this. But when Toby says that, you know, he's there for his height, the guy doesn't win that many headers, he does not win that many headers, and he's not really that physical when it comes to getting in the air to get those headers. Mm. You know, for me, he's just big for nothing. We've seen it enough times when he's in the box, you know, and he doesn't head the ball. That's that's not his game. You don't build a team with a Xhaka in there. When you look at the, the best midfields in world football at the minute, there is no player with the abilities and the efficient the deficiencies that Xhaka has in there. And when you're looking at the big, the, the best midfield, you can point to the Liverpool midfield, point to the City midfield, point to the Bayern Munich midfield, the PSG midfield, all of these midfields. There is no 
Granite Xhaka type player in there because it's not enough to be able to pass a football from left to right. It's just not enough. You need to do more. You need to be athletic. You need to be press resistant. You need to be able to be a lot more than a left foot in order to play in a modern day midfield. So even if you have two eights, right, playing in front of Xhaka at some point, he will be exposed and his deficiencies will come to the fore yet again. So a midfield with a Granit Xhaka in it, you will always be worried about when the two eights are left exposed. And you know it's going to happen. If West Ham were able to do it so easily, you know, and, and he's not, you know, he's not the only one to blame in this because I thought Sobaios wasn't great in this game as well. But it was their ability, you know, to put him under pressure just by pressing him. That's all you really have to do for Xhaka. You put him under pressure, you press him. That he's well, going to make a mistake. What Liverpool did. So Liverpool essentially. Uh, uh, this isn't my analysis. I've stolen this from Arsenal Vision. I listened to them today, and I just thought it it was genius from Clive. And Clive said the most dangerous part of Arsenal was Aubameyang, mm. and to Aubameyang was down our left. So mm-hmm. Liverpool literally threw everything at Granite Xhaka and everything at Tierney, but particularly everything at Granite Xhaka to stop the out ball because they knew El Nenny wouldn't hurt them with the ball. And they know that if you press Xhaka hard enough, he's going to give you something. If you shake the tree long enough and hard enough, you know that you're going to make a mistake. You know that you're going to get that football. So a granite Xhaka in your midfield, you are always, always going to be worried about the fact that you can catch him, because you can. Because if a West Ham can do it, if a Liverpool can do it, all of a sudden, this sends you know alarm bells to every Premier League team. Listen, if you really want to put Arsenal under pressure, focus on that one guy right there because he's going to give you some change, and he always mm. will. If you shake the shit tree, shit lemons come out. Ryan, uh, final say on Xhaka. You are the least lover of Xhaka. You are what Xhaka. You are to Xhaka what Kalasnak is to Dan Potts. You are to Xhaka what Scunny is to Mustafi. Uh, you've got no time for him. <laughs> have you have you have you found a way, Ryan, in your in your football analyst brain to be able to come to terms with the fact that he's probably going to play the vast majority of this season? All right. So I gave him a plus two uh against West Ham. I thought he was really good. Um that was craziness. He was awful. Yeah. But go on. I get uh I say West Ham and meant full on. The first game of the season, Fulham. Yeah, Fulham. Fulham. It was yeah, good against Fulham. Uh, yeah, I gave him a plus two. Um, so, Granit Xhaka is the type of player. So, I, the the way to, to describe Xhaka would be, um, you know, I, I play a lot of pickup football um, when I'm, you know, not doing things. But he's he is the guy wearing the Barcelona kit. And he only knows Messi. He doesn't know any player of the Messi. So you're like, oh, fuck. And he's on my team. What do you do with him? And he's a big guy. You just throw him in the back. Maybe he'll defend. Maybe he'll disrupt a striker trying to be fancy. And I, and I think Toby kind of hit it pretty good. I, I like how – I like him dropping back almost into like a third uh, – well, when we were at back four. Uh, I like him dropping in. Uh, into like a back as like a third center back and they kind of pushing our, our wing backs up or not. No, they'd be our fullbacks pushing our fullbacks up. And, and we do have very attack minded fullbacks in Tierney, Bellerin, Saka at the time. 
and you can make a case for any many likes to run forward. Um, but let's face it, uh, sorry to break all the, the Jaka hearts. We're not getting top four with him in this team. No way, no how. I gave him I gave him the positives against uh, a Fulham. He was my shit cunt of the match against Liverpool. He was terrible. I know, man, he would disagree with me. But uh, there was two different times where he had the ball and he had opportunities to make a play on it. A Liverpool guy came close to him, kind of threatened him a little bit. And he went like – I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but you wear like a full Velcro suit. And then you like you jump on a wall, so you spread your arms and legs, and you jump on the wall and stick to the wall. That's essentially what he did, except the Velcro wall was the ground. And he did that two different times, looking for fouls, like a fucking cunt that he is. And he's terrible. I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> and thank God I have mercy on his soul. I think Ryan can't argue with think- that passion there. I think Ryan gave Granit Xhaka like minus 100 points <laughs> last year. So he's probably not the best, you know, yardstick for analysis of, <laughs> no, of all of us. Yeah, probably I the worst. Some positives. Some. Probably the worst. Probably the worst for it. Guys, the next guy I don't want to spend too much time on um, because he doesn't deserve our fucking time. <laughs> Coming in at negative two with zero points positive, minus 14 points. Saeed, the tank, the Hulk, the rugby player, Kalasanak. Uh, no, uh, no, where where, where no, am I going first here? I'll, no. I'll go to Manny. I'll go to hey, Manny. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. Manny, no, if we no. manage to get £11 million for this guy, Do you know, hold and on, we get him off the books on his 150k a week wages. Max, let me interrupt you, bro, because we said this in the WhatsApp group, right? We said that it was about time that we bent a team over and fucked them, right, with with a price over a player. Listen, if we get – I'm surprised we're even getting 2P for the guy, man. He is unequivocally, right, the worst left-back I have ever seen play football for this club. You can say what you like about Andre Santos, right? The guy could at least control the football I just do not understand. The guy's got hoofs, right? He can't control. Even against West Ham, right? He kind of went on the overlap, right? Got the ball to, you know, close to the byline. And you're thinking, all right, what are you going to do next? There's, there was two instances, right? One. And, and, he, the- and he bobbies some more at it. Oh, my God. So there was that one, and then there was the other one where he did the typical Kalasanak cross, just hard to the ground. Doesn't look into the box, just hard and hit it and hope. I'm sick of the guy, man. I am sick of it. Offensively, defensively, he is just an awful footballer. I don't know what the hell we were thinking getting him on the free because that was expensive. Leverkusen. <laughs> <laughs> Can we say? Can we? Say, can we all say collectively? Since he's came to the club, he's probably the one player that has gotten a lot worse. Because when he first came to us, he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't great. But like you saw aspects to his game where you're like, no, he oh, he was all right when he first. Yeah, he was under, 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 under Emery. He was under he was, Emery. I thought he, he was bad. He was Emery's entire game plan as well. Yeah. So the more the the problem is the more technically we've asked of him the more he's been exposed the more he's lost his confidence and now he really does look like a rugby player who's filling in at left back 
I, I think the amazing thing with him is like basic body shapes. Like when the ball, <laughs> when the ball comes into you, how you shape your body to receive a ball. Like even from someone who's never played football at above school level, I know how to receive a ball. Right? It's like the base core thing. I've I've got this theory that he never played for Leverkusen, and someone was. Like he did fucking security for them or something. Because and he someone was like, yeah. yeah, he never played for Leverkusen. Oh, whatever. You're, you're right. <laughs> exactly. He never played for Leverkusen. And Scunny, do you want to uh, do you want to go into bat for Dan Potts? Potts is not here and we all uh, know. I'm just. I'm not, I'm not going to say too much about this, but he, you know when you're at school and you're picking a football team and you say, right, you've got you and your mate as a team captain and you've got to pick play people. You're like, oh, I'll take this guy. I'll take that. He's the retarded <laughs> kid who you don't pick to last. And then you're pissed off when you get him. <laughs> That's Klasniak. He's yeah. awful, man. He's awful. That is right. And I think that's his whole career there. You know, we, we got, like, like Manny said, which I was, that's what I was howling at, you know, we got ripped off when we got him on a free. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's how bad it is. So there you go. That, that's all I'm going to say. And I hope I've done Dan Potts some justice there because I know he's probably like that. Well, you know what Dan Potts would say? He'd say, fucking kebab meathead, he's fucking <laughs> shit. He is absolute shit. Uh, does anyone anyone want to say anything else on Kalasnak before we move on, other than if we get £11 million, I will personally jack off whoever was in control of that that signing? <laughs> no, man. Just hurry up and get that deal done and get him out. Yeah, It'll be good business. It, it hasn't worked yeah. out. It hasn't worked How out. How someone's going to take him on that wages? Surely we, we must be covering some portion of the he, he wanted to leave anyway, ever since the yeah. fucking stabbing shit. Like, his wife hasn't been there and, and he's wanted to, to leave the UK. So that, that could be, that could be um, a reason for him going for less wages. Mm. Cool. See mm. you later, bro. Uh, speaking about speaking about transfers out, and, and every time we do this, every time his name comes up, it this hurts me. It hurts me because he's one of ours. It hurts me because we love him. But it's clear and it's obvious that either Hector Bellerin is not at the physical level he was prior, or the game, the, the the Premier League and what is required of a wing-back has gone beyond what he can offer anymore. Uh, Toby, Hector Bellerin, plus one point. I gave him a point against Liverpool. I actually thought that he was quite good. I thought he was quite technical. He controlled the ball quite well, despite being poor. So, so did I. De- yep. Defensively. Um, but plus one point. Minus 16 for our negative three. Wait, how did you both give him a point if he only got plus one point? Uh, Toby, no, didn't no, no. Give him a, Toby didn't give him a point, but said that he would. He could oh. have given, he could okay, have given okay, him okay. a point. I did give him a Very point. I, I gave him a negative two for being sucked into the heading error for the first Liverpool goal. Yeah, but then so, gave him so, positive points for his technicality on the ball yeah, yeah, because exactly. in, the, in the press, he was one of the only guys who had the feet to, to beaten 
and get around the press. Uh, Toby, plus one, minus 16 for an overall score of minus 15. He's found his way into our negative threes over and over and over again. He found his way into our negative threes in the overall end of season last season. Toby, surely it, it, it's it's time. Surely it's time that we that we that we we give it up now on Hector Bellerin, and if we can get a price for him that's reasonable for his sake and for his legacy, it, it's time to let him go. I don't even care about his legacy, really. I mean, you know, if if we can get, I feel like he's returning to some form of fitness. Uh, that that was very funny. Whoever that was, two foul throws. Didn't even get picked up in commentary. That was that was seriously shit. Um, Wait, was that a foul throw though? The one, the twice. one foul throw I twice. saw. I, I don't know which one I saw. I saw one of them. I didn't think it yeah. was a foul throw at all. But I, uh, who the fuck? Yeah, was no, no, it was it was pretty shit. But um, <laughs> okay. Now, now I I think what he's become is better at the things we don't need him to do. So you allude yes. to him. Thank you. So if, if you allude to his technicality, that's great. He can sort of link up with midfield, not lose possession. He's quite sort of tidy on the ball. But he seems to have lost his pace. Even, even if some is coming back, he's not an attacking threat with it anymore. And then defensive coverage, he's not he's not fast enough and he's certainly not big enough to stop people running through him or around him. And then the, one of my biggest gripes with him is that his MO is hitting the first man every single cross. So the anomaly in that, I guess, was the, the Lester cameo, which was really good. I I thought that was um, a great little spark and showed his ability to, um, you know, to um, dribble past so, look, I'm not willing to completely throw him under the bus yet, but my biggest beef is the Cedric signing still. I still mm. don't understand why it happened. I still of, think it's last of the Raul signings. I, I, I know, I know, but it, it's that type of uh, player-manager bullshit that leaves us with an ageing player on big wages on a long-term contract. And now we're in a position where we could get bent over and ass-fucked by anyone who wants Hector. So if we didn't have Cedric and we didn't have AMN, then maybe Hector would be someone who would be a little bit more enticing for some of the clubs that he's linked with, Mm. you know. But because we have three right backs effectively it reduces our ability to negotiate so in in a summary i think if we get the right money for him absolutely take it but i don't think we should just like completely dismiss him out of hand because we may end up you know with amn who seems to be wildly inconsistent as much as we love him and cedric who i barely even rate Mm. Manny, this is a guy who uh, not too long ago turned down Barcelona to stay at Arsenal. This is a guy who we spoke about as an Arsenal captain, as as a leader at the club. I, I, I wonder if I – was, I was actually, funnily enough, I was listening to old podcasts the other week because so I was bored and Toby and I did a, a very early on podcast. So it would have been, what, over two years ago when we started doing – doing podcasts together 
And Toby and I had a conversation about the fact that Hector has never looked good as a wing back and has always looked better as a right back. Manny, do you think that he is do you think that it is a physical deficiency? Do you think it's a Premier League deficiency? Or do you think that it's maybe a, a system deficiency and, and this position in this back five just doesn't suit him? Man, Hector has not been good consistently since that season, you know, he was, you know, in the team of the season. You know, that and that was a long, long time ago. You know, since that time, it's been up and down, hit and miss, and then he will have a stretch of games where you're thinking, okay, he's getting back to his best. Then he will have a stretch of games where he's completely awful. Then the injury has happened, and people forget that, okay, Bellerin has been rubbish for quite some time. I would say a good five years, right, that Hector's been really up and down. He is so easy to play against because... What? Five years? I don't think he's been bad for five years. He was very Man, good under he was very good under Emery and Emery's early season. Yeah, but for a short period of time, Max. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, oh, you're talking about being consistently yeah, yeah, yeah. good. It's really I'm only that time after he came in for Debushi that he had an elongated period of being exactly. very good. And then, you know, after that period, it's been, you know, it's been just stretches here and there, just little bits. It hasn't been consistent enough for the last five years to merit to be still at this club starting as we got right back. I think, and then you've spoken about this before, the modern day right back is a lot more than what Hector Bellerin has given us. Meaning he doesn't go on the outside and take people on because I think he, he even understands that he doesn't have the pace to get on the outside. His crossing hasn't gotten any better over the years, which makes me wonder, do you actually practice Hector, because you cannot still be crossing the ball like you have when you first got into the team. He is really, really easy to play against his, in the sense his that... Stats, his stats, Manny, for assists is yeah. woeful. It's, Across because, his entire career, it's woeful. Because he because crossing is one of the worst aspects of his game. And I wonder, this is not something that, you know, he's just you know, that we've just been noticing, this has been for a long period of time. So my problem with, with Bellerin is when people say he's getting back to his best, I've heard all of this before. We've seen this with Bellerin for the last five to six years. He is not going to get back to the level that he was when he first came into the team because, first of all, defensively, he's not there. Athletically, he's not there. So he is, even his passing, you know, to an extent, which is the stronger aspect of his game, even in that area, he's lacking somewhat. So really, it is time to move on from Hector Bellerin, you know, for because for by now, I would have expected a lot more, even with the injury. I would expect you to be a bit more defensively switched on, considering how long you've been playing in the Premier League and how long you've been in this team. And it's just not happening and it hasn't happened for years. It's time to cut ties and if it's got to be next summer, so be it. But really, the Hector Bellerin project needs to end now. Scunny, is Hector Bellerin, for you, still able to be effective as a squad player? We've spoken about this on so many pods. We've spoken about this. I've seen you speak about this on your preview pod, that there is an absolute fuck ton of games to be played this year. There's FA Cup. There's Carabao Cup. There's Europa Leagues in but fuck nowhere. There's Premier League games that need to be played. Is maybe what we're looking at saying Hector Bellerin isn't good enough and we need to get rid of him? 
is that maybe short-sighted when, in fact, Hector Bellerin might not be good enough to play all the time, but he would still be a fantastic squad player and play plenty of games regardless? Uh, I've got mixed emotions on Bellerin. Uh, I agree with pretty much everything that Manny was saying there. You know, I was, I, I for one was hoping for the best. Uh, you know, I, I did originally see him as it should be our captain, but lately I'm sort of swaying the opposite way. And you know, and after everything I've seen, and I agree uh, again. I, I'll, I'll say again, I'll, I agree with Manny. You know, and the problem that I have at the moment is the right hand side of Arsenal in the defence is the weakest side. And this is the issue that I'm having, and this is why I'm sort of turning slightly the opposite way with Bellerin. Uh, as from what you said, uh, with Gator, there's a shit ton of games. I can see him staying this year for that reason. I can't see him being sold in this transfer window for that reason. Um, should he play every game, or should he play the majority of the high Profile games? No, I don't think you should. Um, I, I mean, think- what we what we need is Ainsley Maitland-Niles to stick his head above the parapet. He has stuck his head above the parapet. The problem that we, is is we've got a fuck ton of injuries in defence, mm. and that's the issue that we've got. You see, we've got said you know like Toby said about Cedric Suarez. He hasn't really played much, and you know, and why did we get him? I think he was there for backup for Bellerin. Uh, but Maitland Niles has seemed to have sorted his head out, realised that he could be the next fullback on the right hand side for Arsenal. He should be there on that right hand side. The problem is we've got injuries across the board. Now, I don't think Bellerin would be playing as much if we didn't have all these injuries and we didn't have inconsistencies in Kolasniak, for instance. So I, I think AMN would be on that right hand side a lot more. It's just the case. I just don't think. Again, I just ha, Bellerin's not it, the answer it, anymore. I think it's the, not, it's the game's not, moved on from him. And yeah, that's uh, the issue. Scunny, I've said this on so many occasions. I think that the modern wingback is more athletic hmm. and is bigger and is stronger and is more physical than Hector. But yeah. you know, it, it brings me back to my thing. Like I said, I listened to this old podcast of Toby and I saying that he's never been suited to being a wingback. He's always been more suited to being a right back. And I think that's because as a right back, the person who you connect with more is the midfielder, not the not the wing forward. And I think Hector connects better with a midfielder when he's getting on the ball and he's coming inside than he does when he's expected to run up beyond. We've spoken about this before. His combination with Pepe is disastrous. Those two on the pitch together doesn't, there's nothing about that that works. We've seen AMN's best performances with Pepe and Pepe's best performances with AMN. And that's because I think they complement each other athletically. They complement each other with where AMN wants to run and what effect that has with Pepe and what what areas he moves into. Well, that's that's the difference between AMN and Bellerin on that right-hand side, you see. AMN is willing to run that line. He's willing to stick to that touchline where if you watch Bellerin closely, he drifts in. He constantly mm. drifts in. And the problem with him drifting in is he leaves so much of an open space. We saw it, it for instance, at Liverpool and at West Ham. You know, Antonio identified our right-hand side was the weakest point. That was our pinch point. And he exploited it. Mm. We noticed against the Liverpool match, Mane, you can't give someone of Mane's quality 
that much space, that much room, and to get to run into. And I, I know there was a lot of talk about holding in this game. I don't think he had a bad game. I gave him, I gave him positive points. I'm sure yeah, Toby gave him positive points. I think it was more to the point of you know Facebook and Twitter. A lot of people calling out holding. He didn't have a bad game. The problem with holding was he was exposed. And the reason why he was exposed by Mane was because of Bellerin. He was constantly out of position. He did. He wasn't willing to run back when he got forward. And it's just his defensive ability against Mane. He didn't stop the cross. He didn't go for the tackle. He, he, he wasn't pressing Mane enough for me or Robertson, you know, to try and, you know, for, for that Liverpool game. And this is his problem. He's just not there physically is not there mentally i don't think either and like we said is is not the modern day wing back when you compare him to the likes of for instance alexander arnold um who's who's at man city on the right hand side i'm walker. thinking of, yeah kyle walker, kyle walker. yeah you, you know, they're both more amn body shapes amn style players yeah. you know you don't have to just look at obviously those two i'm comparing them against two of probably the top teams in the Premier League at the minute. But if you look at lower league teams, you know, it, you can see a massive difference in between these fullbacks. Mm. And that's the issue that I'm finding with Bellerin. Mm. And this is why my coin's flipping on him. It's not mm. that point. I mean, look, Scunny, for me, what if we are going to persevere with this, this five at the back? And, and can I preface this by saying the five that we play at the back is not a five. It's a fluid system. Right, the five turns yeah. into a four. Ainsley Maitland-Niles pulls into midfield when he plays on the left, or when he plays on the right. And we do change and we, and we do evolve. In fact, that we apparently were warming up in a four against Liverpool, and our intention was essentially to go out and, and play in a four. And we just got pressed so hard that we ended up so deep in our own box that, that it was ridiculous. So sometimes we can get caught up having these conversations about formations, like. Like everyone are like, what, what? What was that fucking game where the, you had like the pips in the board? It's like a, and then you moved the fucking things, and people moved. So you, yeah. foosball, or table football, oh, foosball. foosball. No, it's like that. Or maybe I'm thinking about a hockey game. I don't know. Anyway, it's not like they. they it's not Jesus. like they fucking put out. I've, I've, had four beers. It's not like when a, a manager puts out a formation, people are stuck in that position. And I think people need to get that out of their mind because what happens is you get given a role and with Arteta you get given a zone and you get job descriptions that are with the ball and job descriptions that are without the ball. So I think sometimes we can get caught up with this idea of a 4-3-3 or a, you know, 3-5-3 or, you know, the Christmas tree or the fucking the 4-2-2-2 that Emery was playing, it's really not about the positions that they play in. But for me, what I want to see, and we're going to finish on this, guys, what I want to see is, for me, I want to see a back three of Gabriel, Louise, and Holding. At the moment, we haven't seen enough of Saliba to bring him in. I think Holding might be building. Um, I want to see Tierney back in his role where he's getting forward, where he's getting into the box, where he's applying technical crosses on the left. I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles, for everything that he does on the left, he really suffers with not having a lot of end product or final ball. I want to see Ainsley Maitland-Niles on the right, in a right wing position. Um, 
you know, as far as what else happens with the team, with midfielders and strikers, I feel like if you get that structure right at the back and you have the right players, and I've, I've come around to accepting that Louise is part of that, that his distribution from the back is part of that. Um, guys, anyone, you know, jump in last five minutes really quickly. Of the players that we've got, of what we have at hand, are there things that you want to see? Are there things that you're sick of, things that you want to see changed, things that you want to see locked in? Like for me, I want Ainsley Maitland-Niles just locked in at right wing back and just give him 10 games, see what he's got. I completely agree. Uh, the only problem is, I mean, again, I I always bite with these fucking articles and journalism, but apparently he's off to Man U for 20 Bollocks. I, I swear to God, if I, I'll cry. I probably will cry. Uh, I hate Man U with a passion. And uh, I actually, I ordered the third jersey, the blue kit, and I was going to yes. get I was going to get AMN. On the yes. Back. Don't, don't get any players on the back, bro. I did. There's I did. A, Ryan, there's fun. a reason why I haven't got Ainsley Maitland-Niles on the back of a shirt, and yeah. that's because I'm cursed. So the last three shirts that I bought have been Theo Walcott, immediate, <laughs> immediately sold, Jack Wilshere, immediately sold and Danny Welbeck immediately sold. So Jesus I was like, Christ. I'm not going to get Ma- Maitland Niles. I, <laughs> I love that guy. I'd fucking, I'd get him back on a play as you pay, pay as you play contract in a fucking heartbeat. Uh, Toby, final thoughts. Any, anything you want to, anything you want to throw up? No, not really. I mean, may, maybe in summary, I think you come back to, you know, you always want an extra player on the pitch. And I think the reason that we play players that frustrate us so much is that we don't have good enough players to play the actual formation that we need to play because players need to play multiple roles. So <laughs> if... Sorry, DWTT has just put up a thing saying, basically saying to me, Max, can you please buy collar, Ozil and Jacker shirts now? Mate, I could not fucking agree more. You are an official ass bro after that comment. Sorry, Toby, go on. No, no, it's all right. I thought what I'd, I'd said something really fucking stupid for a second when everyone started <laughs> laughing at me. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think let's see what happens in the transfer market and what we can actually do. I think we've we've forgotten about some pretty amazing players like your Martinelli's and all of that stuff. You know, we've got players that are coming through. We still don't know about Abamyang, you know, being out on the left and being very deficient technically. You know, he wants to play a certain role and get on the end of things. So I think for Arteta, there's a lot of headaches trying to move around players and, and find his best his best squad. Sorry, his best formation, his best starting eleven, whilst maintaining some type of defensive efficiency. And I think I think what we miss about Arteta, we we think he's just an attacking coach. What he has actually fixed with us is our defence. And then once we yeah. yeah, and then once we've got that right, we can we can start progressing. Look, so Toby, that, that's really my, my final it, thought. It really seems to be about personnel. For me now, it seems to be about getting some of these seven out of ten players out, or having these seven out of ten players have less responsibility and and less relying on them. Uh, Manny, final thoughts? Anything you want to you want to kick about, champion? Uh, not really. You know, I'm just enjoying the process. 
I remember mm-hmm. losing my mind like a lot of people are, but that's just, you know, part and parcel of being an Arsenal fan. So I'm enjoying the ride, man. And, and you know, I'm trying to be positive about what we're able to do, you know, come. When does the transfer window close, actually? Does anyone know? Nine, uh, nine days. Nine days, I think. I think there's less time than that. Less than that, the fifth. Yeah. Is it the fifth? fifth yeah. Okay. It's going to be. Gonna be the, the, the domestic transfer window is still open until. We're not going to do fuck all internally. 16. Nothing ever happens internally. I'm just, no, I inter- looked, I'm just saying. I, that I, is the I, dumbest okay. fucking rule change oh, I've ever heard. All agree. transfer windows should finish at the same fucking the time. Same time. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But but no, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to watch. I'm going to enjoy the process. I can see what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go. If I wanted to see, you know, one thing really happen uh, I, I can't wait until we go to midfield free you know and we start you know playing the type of football that I think we can play so I'm excited for that so I'm just going to sit back and watch and enjoy man. and Manny I think you said it perfectly you you see what's happening you see the process before your eyes you know what the end goal is a lot of these fucking fans don't because they are part of the nation of retardation Matt, like we 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 they are you know the kind of people which I've made it I've made it my mission not to get involved in none of it and yeah. I keep telling I keep telling Max I keep telling Scott to Kenneth I keep telling you Lord stop involving yourself with the Twitter madness <laughs> because if you go looking for it right you will find it if you go looking for the most outlandish opinions and you know the demonious people you know the oh I miss Martinez all of that if you go looking for it. You will find it. You don't even just have to look back. for it. Get away from it. Step away from it, man. Just sit back and enjoy what we're trying to do because you can see the process and you can see where we're trying to go. And those who want to moan and complain and keep looking backwards, let them do that. Let them do that, man. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Mm. Scanny, last man standing. Anything from you? Anything no, you want to finish I think, with? I think I've said enough. Awesome. All right, guys. So that brings us to the end of our first Ask Bros Monthly, the Ask Bros Monthly for September. Just recapping quickly, Man of the Month, Willian, uh, with three points, uh, two points going to Gabrielle. Fantastic return from a guy who's played two games for us. Number one, uh, one point, uh, Danny Ceballos, the secret ninja, continues to collect points and show that he is Arsenal's best midfielder. In the minuses, nothing new here. Minus one for Granite Xhaka. Minus two for Kebab Meathead Kalasanach and minus three for a very unfortunate Hector Bellerin. Guys, you have been listening to the Ask Brothers Rankcast. If you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter at the Ask Brothers. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Ask Bros. There's a YouTube channel, which is at Ask Bros. We're really struggling to get the numbers. We're getting good Periscope numbers and good Facebook numbers, but we're really struggling to get the numbers over to YouTube. So if you can, jump over to YouTube and give us a follow. Uh, five shows that we've got coming out now. Uh, Scunny's doing the preview show. Me and Toby do the review show. Ryan does the cup show. Manny does the hot topic show. We're all here to do the Ask Bros Monthly. And we will bring you another Player of the Month and Shit Cunts of the Month next month. Up the Arsenal. Fuck the Spurs. Good night. Nadi, I miss you. <laughs> uh, you got to get hand jobs from somewhere, don't you? <laughs> I'll tell them. Yeah.